States of America. After 35 long years, Clemson has been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home. You are looking live at Clemson Memorial Stadium in Clemson, South Carolina, where the game of the weekend is about to unfold. Calma, regresa al backfield. De John Watson, pase, touchdown, touchdown, Clemson, Clemson, por un segundo. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. How great is this? This, this could be the final play of the college season, perhaps, if Clemson gets a touchdown to win it. If Bama can hold him out, perhaps a field goal attempt for overtime. Watson, touchdown! Hunter Renfro. Little man makes another enormous play. And Clemson runs out of the field and celebrates. They come to California and strike gold. And now, William Qualkenbush and Ben Milstead with Out of Bounds on the Roar. Welcome in. Glad to have you with us. We are live on the roar on a Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. Thanks so much for joining us here on Out of Bounds. William Quaggamush, Ben Milstead live inside the Upcountry Fiber Studios. Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. Very excited to be with you here this afternoon. I appreciate you joining us here in the Upstate 105.5 FM, 97.5 FM in Spartanburg, or all across Fruit Plain and around globe at theroarfm.com and the Roar mobile app. Uh, special shout out to the people in Colleton County today who are taking their eyes off the local drama and their ears off the local drama to, uh, to be with us. Appreciate y'all. How are you, Ben? I'm doing well. You have uh, three separate monitors in front of you, <laughs> three monitors and a television. Are you watching this trial on one of those right now? Yes. yes Come on! I, <laughs> I didn't even see that one. Okay. Yes. <laughs> From my vantage point, I can see the two monitors that are permanently mounted here. I can see Quark's laptop. <laughs> I ask him that question, and he picks up a... He picked up an iPad that he's got oh, hidden man. behind the keyboard. I'm just, I'm crying a little bit. I'm just. And and he holds it up and yes, I see the trial on the, uh, on, on the iPad. I, yes. As I told you before today's show, I mean, I love stuff like that, but I just have not kept up. I've kept up with at a distance from this trial and and just recently realized that it was such a big deal nationally, like OJ-type coverage. I had no idea. Every single national news, I think, every single national news channel, and of course, Court TV, has uh, Alex Murdoch on the stand right now, which, by the way, he did, his name has been pronounced so many times, so many different ways. I actually was most riveted at how he would tell the court to pronounce his name. And he does pronounce his name Alec Murdoch. Or what? Murdoch, yeah. Yeah, it was hard to kind of figure it out. So, yeah. Yeah, Alec. So The dude's from Colleton County. That's right. 
By the way, he's Eric Murdoch. The, <laughs> I mean, I don't care. You're Eric. You're Eric and you're Murdoch. Well, it's Alex. It's I mean, I mean <laughs> Alex, Alex. But you're Alex. The way, yeah, the way that you're supposed to say his name is like the. It's like a mix between Eric and Alex. It's like Alec. Is how no. you're supposed to say it. That's, Heck, that's no. <laughs> no. Uh, the trial is in Hampton County, by the way, not Carlton County, so because of, uh, I don't know, some weirdness in there. Yeah, nobody cares. Anyway, um. yeah, but thanks, Texer, for uh, pointing that out. Text from the 843, who probably is very protective of Hampton County, or may- maybe a Carlton County doesn't want to be uh, doesn't want to be associated there. I I tweeted this, Ben. I like first of all, I have friends and people I know who have been watching this trial every day. I don't need to watch this trial every day. I got stuff going on. I got a million games going on in February. Like I went to the basketball game last night in Little John, and this is the time of year where the staff just gets run down. And your radio people are starting to feel it too. And so, like, there's just a lot. There's a lot going on, right? There's a lot going on. Yeah. Um I like I can't and I'm I'm not breaking any news to you, I know. Uh, how many sporting events do we have on Saturday on our air? Six, seven, eight sporting events? On, sa- on Saturday, we will have three. Three. Mm-hmm. And Sunday, we have we three have, also, right? We 13 this week. 13 sporting events on our yeah. air this week. That's unbelievable. Uh, not every single one on our air, but 13 that we are responsible for. So, yes, it's been a, it's been a great week. Yes. And it's only going to get better. That's right. As long as it doesn't rain this weekend, I'll be even better. <laughs> yeah, uh, fingers crossed on that one, by the way. Um, I said, I was trying to think of a way to make this palatable for people who just don't understand, don't get the gravity of the trial. I know there are lots of our listeners who have been paying very close attention to this and listening to recaps and watching and and like binging podcasts and all that kind of stuff about this trial because this is for South Carolina this is our this is our OJ trial this is like and it's more later it's like financial crimes and like civil suits and wrongful death and then you've got like a just a flat out murder element and you've got a powerful family in the low country and it checks all the boxes so much so that there are two documentaries on two streaming services now about this family in this case where a man is like a very powerful attorney in the low country is accused of killing his wife and son and he's taken a stand today in his own defense and this is like then i i said it was like nick saban uh his decision to onside kick back in the national championship game after the 2015 season, 2016. It was like Nick Saban changing quarterbacks in the national championship game in 2017. It is something you do when it's your, it is like the final Hail Mary choice when you have a defendant who is, I mean, he's been caught in a bunch of lies, so you got to explain all that. You've got somebody who's probably not super trustworthy to at least a lot of the jury who's now got to say lots of words over hours. You've got other stuff that he's got to be careful not to allow them to talk about on cross-examination because it's been thrown out by the judge, and unless he brings it in, they're not going to let him bring it in. That would potentially be incriminating. It's a risky move. This is like the this is a huge, huge, huge move in the context of a big trial like this. And I just, I, I couldn't think of anything more of like a, like a, a wild shot in the dark than that Saban onside kick or the two of quarterback switch. And I tried to think of like, what is the, 
What is like the, for lack of a better term, what is the ballsiest move? What is the most courageous move that I've seen a coach make that had a fair chance of out-and-out failure, like blow-up-in-your-face failure, which you could also say the Nick Saban fake field goal was in that realm. It just didn't work. Those are the ones that came to mind. Is there any, is there any like, Hail Mary, we got no chance unless this works, sports analogy that you could make that's like this guy with this particular uh, accusation in this particular time taking a stand in his own defense? I'll answer your question with a question. Okay. I'll help you. Could you narrow that down to just bad calls, ballsy calls by your Indianapolis Colts in, oh, I don't know, the last 12 months? Can you think of any? Can you think of any at all? You know what? Fair. I'm going to even go back further. <laughs> remember the uh, remember the fake punt against the Patriots that time where they like spread everybody out? You can go Google this if you're if you're like Quack. I don't remember that. This is probably ten years or so ago. I think it was in a Sunday night game, and they like spread everybody out, and it was long snapper and punter. Who did this? Somebody did this recently with a fake, where they spread everybody out and then they just got destroyed. Uh, um, it was the Cowboys. It? it was the Cowboys. They okay, put yeah. Zeke Elliott at center. <laughs> That's right. The Colts. The Colts <laughs> yeah. did it ten years before, yeah. and the Patriots just destroyed them and it ended was, up winning a game. It was. A, it was. They were setting up the final uh, razzle dazzle play against somebody. It was. Yeah. It was the the Cowboys and Zeke Elliott's the center and just gets trucked. Yes. <laughs> yes. At the hundred percent. Okay. I'll give you one that actually worked, but man, you talk about. The gutsiest of the gutsy, the Chris Winky uh, fake in the end zone oh, against man. Clemson, like to hide the ball and completely turn your back to the play while standing in your end zone, knowing that like that game goes a completely different way if he gets sacked right there. And, oh yes, and as it turned, I mean, the rest is history. I mean, it just went on to be a shellacking, but uh, yeah, that was a that was a good one. I mean, back to more important things like this trial. Have you ever been to Walterboro? Uh, not to stay. I've driven through Walterboro before, but I have. I don't think I've ever exited my car in Walterboro. It's it's changed a bunch in the last ten ten years. Uh, very pretty place now. You know, at one time you wouldn't have honestly you wouldn't have wanted to get out of your car in Walterboro. I mean, really, there was a t- you probably wouldn't have felt safe. Sure, it, it's a really nice place now. I drive through there to go to uh, another location on the coast, and it's it's a really nice place. Interesting. So, th- just wanted hey, yeah, shout out to the shout Walterboro. Out. I know we got some listeners from all the, uh Send us a text on the Adams Curving text line six five four Roar if you're listening from uh, Walterboro today. Or if you're within like a five mile radius of the courthouse, send us that text. That's that's what I want to know. Um, yeah, to your point about the Colts, it is kind of like hiring the interim as a guy who has zero coaching experience at the NFL level, and his only coaching experience is in a private high school. That there, that would be it. There you go, longtime listener from Walterboro. It's not that bad. There we go, Jason. I see. That's what I'm saying. Walterboro's on the on the come up. It surely is. I got a text on the personal text line. I love that part of the of South Carolina, man. I do, though. I mean, like, you get into that 
Walterboro and, and Beaufort, just the way those cities, you know, the old cities that are like revitalized in certain areas. And I don't, man, I love it. I lo- love your climate, everything about it. I like the drive through some of those. Like, I just like to drive through some of those places. <laughs> the it's, best, it's part nice. of, best part of Walterboro means that you're now off of I-95. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, yes. Don't have to deal with that anymore. Thank you, Lord. I lived. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't involved in a traffic accident. Thank you. Oh, my God. So happy to see you, Walterboro. <laughs> um, this is this is really weird, but I got a text while you were talking about the uh, Chris Winkie fake on the personal text line. That says, this is from the 864, it says, the punt Ruski is the gutsiest of the gutsy. Another Florida State-Clemson play. Yeah. Also true. Oh, I mean, Bobby Bowden wasn't shy for pulling those kind of plays. Oh, no. Well, and you know what? I think that's part of, I think part of greatness is knowing when tactically you can't be safe any longer. You know, that's, that's kind of why we've, uh, that's kind of why we've, we've, talked about those calls and those plays and those decisions in the in the way in which we have. Nick Saban has is a conservative coach that has taken I mean I, I remember talking about this several times in the last few years. In the biggest games of his career, he has done some wild things that are way outside the box because he knows it's, you know, if we if we keep doing safe stuff, we're going to lose and we've got to we've got to do something crazy. Ben, it would be like it would be like Jim Beheim going full court man. That's what it would be like. Even when he said from the post game press conference last night that his well, defense has been awful. Say, you say it the way he says it. You know what? I watched the whole press conference last night. He did not cover his mouth or prop his his uh prop prop his chin on his hand once. So I'm going to say it like he would have said it last night. Yeah, he he's cashed it in. <laughs> That's every Jim Beheim press conference by the way. <laughs> uh he would have said this. You know, they're a good basketball team. Uh, there's, there's just nothing, you know, nothing special about it. You know, Tyson's a good player. <laughs> Paul's a good player. <laughs> And, you know, they made shots. They made shots. <laughs> that's we, about, we just that's didn't, about right. We, we didn't defend very well. And, um, you know, that's just uh, that's just what happened. You know, I thought our defense was uh, was reasonable for uh, a couple of games. And then, uh, you know, last, uh, boy. Well, last couple of games, uh, our defense has been... Uh, I mean, I would say not even serviceable. Fair, you know, uh, it's been pretty awful. Uh, so, uh, you know. were you in the room? No, I was not. Okay. I watched it this morning. <laughs> you know, it it has. I haven't even thought about going back and watching it. I should have done that. That's shame on me. He didn't I yell mean, at not anyone. Not for the information, just for the entertainment value. He did. He really. He didn't yell at anyone. He did. You know what? He gave a good answer on the uh, on the state of the league, and it was a bit of a meandering answer. But he said this like eight times, and he said it with kind of big eyes. He was like, you know, we, you know, with the net, it is what it is. You know, we uh, got some teams that are, you know, pretty good. But uh, when you when you struggle, you know, lose a couple games, Clemson, you know, I think they're a tournament team. But, 
you know, you lose a couple games uh, early and uh, then you, you're stuck. And, you know, some of these leagues, you start league play with really good nets and uh, you play in teams with really good nets and you, you start play with teams with high nets. Well, uh, you, you stay with high net. I mean, he does, like yeah. he kept doing that. But basically he's saying the... He was saying that the ACC is a better league, but we all know what's happening here, and there's nothing you can do about it. That yeah. was actually my favorite answer he gave last night. Jim Beheim doesn't give compliments, but he he kind of sort of gave Clemson a compliment last night, too. We can uh, discuss that on the other side. Yes, uh, let's do that. 654-ROAR is the number if you'd like to join us on the phones. We'll take a phone call or two. We will talk lots of Clemson-Syracuse because I thought that was the best that Clemson could do last night. I thought they played a terrific basketball game. Stay with us. Hour one of the program continues next. Gentlemen, erectile dysfunction or low T got you down? Take action now and turn your life around. Call Greenville Men's Clinic at 301-1111 or greenvillemensclinic.com. Make the call today, 301-1111 or greenvillemensclinic.com. Pinnacle Veterinary Group takes a proactive, progressive approach to individualized medicine aimed to keep your pet healthier, longer. Being locally owned and in private practice, they utilize low-stress techniques and fear-reducing strategies for every patient. Their facility is equipped to care for sick, injured, and healthy pets with in-house diagnostic, lab testing, radiology, surgery, and digital ultrasound. The first and only practice achieving AAHA accreditation in Pickens County. Call 624-8824 or online, pinnacleveterinarygroup.com. Do you ever wish you had food from the good old days, just like Grandma made it? Like hot out-of-the-pan sweet potato crunch, seasoned collard greens, mac and cheese, jalapeno cheddar cornbread, and homemade peach cobbler? Add in the main course, crispy chicken wings, hand-pulled pork, chicken, ribs, or brisket that's been slow-smoked for 14 hours on a custom-made Texas 1,000-gallon smoker? It's at Smitty Smoke and Soul Food, 5284 Calhoun Memorial Highway in Easley. Smitty Smoke and Soul Food, just like Grandma made it. Listen up, Clemson fans. Hatflow Company is now selling official Clemson-licensed leather patch Richardson hats. These hats are hard to find, so get yours today downtown Clemson at Mr. Knickerbocker or Tiger's Sports Shop. You can also buy online at hatflowco.com. Look great at the tailgate, on the water, on the field, or around town with an official licensed leather patch Richardson hat from Hatflow Company. They also make great gifts for the Clemson fan in your life. Hatflowco.com. Get yours today. Needing to rent a mini excavator like a Bobcat E32, a skid steer, or wood chipper? Or maybe a smaller tool like a pressure washer, jackhammer, or compactor? McNeely Store and Rental has got you covered. Clemson alumni-owned renting equipment and selling materials for more than 30 years. We also sell septic materials, ADS drainage products, concrete boxes, real stone veneers, and more. With two upstate South Carolina locations in Clemson and West Union, McNeelyStoreandRental.com. Or call Matt for a quote today, 828-553-4338. Buying a newer pre-owned vehicle can be a challenging task. The George Coleman Ford team strives to change that. Perhaps that's why their online reviews and multiple Ford President's Awards speak volumes. And with new inventory arriving monthly, you can find the vehicle you've been looking for or have George Coleman Ford order one for you. Never any hidden fees or phantom charges at George Coleman Ford. Plain and simple, old-fashioned, honest business. The best is found in Traveler's Rest. George Coleman Ford. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. 
ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Live and local sports talk coming to you from the UpCountry Fiber Studios. This is 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Serving the five counties of the South Carolina Upstate, UpCountry Fiber is a stronger connection. You're listening to 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. He can absolutely move in a different direction quickly without warning. Where every day is game day. We've had requests on the Adams Co. Roofing text line not to do the Bayheim impression during lunch. <laughs> yes. I Look, I get it, folks. Go back and listen after your food's digested, and I promise you what I did was accurate. Oh, it was, it was, it was way to too text. accurate. It was, and also gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Um, speaking of lunch, Ingle salad today. I feel like I know the answer. Water's wet. Yep, that's right. 10 out of 10 as per usual. Yep. Okay. Uh, that's how. That's what you get at Ingles, where you find low prices and you will love the savings. Savings on things like, how about a pound of strawberries, two for $5? That's what I'm talking about. We just ran out of deli meat at the house, so I got to go by Ingles and get some more. I can get Boar's Head Smoke Master, Beechwood Smoked, Black Forest Ham. I always say the more words in the deli meat, the better it is. Eleven ninety nine a pound. I can put that on Nature's Own Butter Bread, twenty ounce bag, two for four ninety eight each. Blue Bunny ice cream, select varieties, two for seven dollars. You can go further down the list. Seedless grapes, red or white, a dollar ninety eight a pound. How about chocolate covered donuts, five forty eight each? A six count box of those. Uh, if you're uh, of that persuasion. There's all kinds of great deals at Ingles. And the, look, the service, the layout, the cleanliness, it truly is a place to be where you'll find low prices and you will love the savings. Bayheim last night after the game, uh, and, and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of the game in a moment, but he was asked about Clemson and was complimentary of Clemson. He said that he felt like they were a tournament team, but also that the, a couple of the early losses – hurt him and he's accurate there and also said you know i don't know how basically said i don't know how they lost to louisville but that's basketball that happens uh same things that most people have said i don't i still don't know how they lost them but it's basketball uh and i was you know if you read through what he said it's pretty complimentary yeah i mean he said a lot of good things about clemson and he did I would say it's it was a coach that understood that he, his team was not better, and in order for them to win, they were going to have to outplay an opponent that did not play well. 
and he recognized, I think, that they did not defend very well, which I I thought Clemson got the same stuff far too frequently against Syracuse, which is to Clemson's credit, and I, I don't think Clemson got it just by default because they were just out there existing. I think they worked to get what they wanted, and we could talk about that a little bit. But I also think that Syracuse was instrumental in his own demise in that they just did not produce a whole lot of resistance, especially to Clemson's ball movement. The Tigers were able to move the ball at will. They had a season-high 28 assists on 34 made baskets, which is the most assists by a Brad Brownell team. You had Chase Hunter at 11. You had Ian Shefflin with six. And couple that with only seven turnovers. Now, I can tell you based on some inside information, they may have to do a statistical correction, so Clemson may end up with eight turnovers in a game. Regardless of that, that is a terrific ratio where you've got 28 assists to eight turnovers, and you stole the ball away seven times from the opposition. They were plus 10 on the glass. They offensive rebounded like we've been waiting on them to offensive rebound now for several games. And they didn't really need the offensive rebound all that much because they made a ton of first shots, including jumpers from downtown. You had uh, Hunter and Tyson and Galloway who combined to go 13 for 29 from three. That's all winning stuff right there against anybody in America. If you shoot it that way, you're going to beat them. Let's go to Looper, who's up with us next on the phone. 654-ROAR is the number. What's up, Looper? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, they've, uh, what I got a couple questions on. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And still, that softball team, it just, uh, what I've been seeing so far, i never seen nothing like it. I mean, I mean, they hit and run. I mean, just, I mean, hitting home runs. I mean, it's just like, I mean, uh, Boy, they got timing going. If they keep that going, they'll be a hard team to beat. And, uh, yeah, the basketball team, yeah, I don't think nobody would want to play a zone on them. I figure they kind of pretty much do away with Syracuse. So Clemson moves the ball too much around and uh, moving the ball around and you can hit shots. Uh, and the way they move and was hitting shots, you don't want to play a zone because they'll just beat you to death. I mean, there's no way you can stop it because, you know, it was hitting shots from all over. But we're going to go off where the air they talk about Florida State and all this. Dabo is still going to be – people are going to be Bo. They're going to be in the playoffs next year. This coming year, they're going to be in the playoffs. And our offensive coordinator got a gleam in his eye, just like a little cat. It just swallowed the canary. And, uh, and the people going to – they better watch out. We'll take it out there. All right. Thanks very much, Looper. Appreciate the phone call. Looper just did an entire talk show in about 75 seconds. That was really good. He hit on three topics, like boom, boom, boom. It was rapid fire. On the zone, you know, there were um, – Brownells had teams that weren't very good against the zone that, that really tightened up against that, had struggled to break it at all. That's not been this team. And I so I, I was cautiously optimistic. The cautious part is because now – I mean, this is a team – that when they go cold from outside, they go really cold. And there's that fear that that's, you know, that's always in the back of your mind now that, okay, is this going to be one of those horrible shooting nights? Especially since you just had one. Right. So that's that's what makes me cautious on anything. But the optimism part is it's also a team that has seen it. I mean, most of these guys have seen this zone a lot. And I think Brownell has done a great job of teaching it. You see that in his players. 
it's something that he understands. I mean, and and he knows how to break it. Um, the pro and, and look, Syracuse at times is very still very good at it. I mean, I I respect the fact that he's sort of the master of this. But it's kind of like the triple option in football. As soon, it's beautiful when it works, but as soon as it doesn't work, you don't have a second. You don't have a plan B. And I think you saw that on display last night. Syracuse didn't have a plan B when it didn't work. There were a few times they tried to extend that zone or, or trap hard in the corners, and they still got beat in it. I mean, they extended the zone beyond three-point line a couple of times. And, you, and Clemson just backdoored them. They weren't capable of getting out of that. They didn't have something else to go to when the Clemson was clearly destroying their defense. That's correct. And you know what? That That is a feature, not a bug. And it gets the Syracuse people a hot If you go to Syracuse message boards or you get into mentions of some of their, uh, you know, some of their beat writers last night, I follow a couple on Twitter and I saw some of this. Uh, the Syracuse fan base is begging Jim Beheim not to run zone. And, you know, we like to romanticize previous eras. It reminded me of several games. And this is very different circumstances, but Clemson people said the same thing about Oliver Purnell and his diamond press and we know why Oliver Purnell continued to run that diamond press because he felt like it was important because of the job that he had that he had a distinctive style that they never swayed from that would attract people who otherwise wouldn't come yeah that's why that two three matchup zone was enacted in the first place at Syracuse because Syracuse was an outpost job and, Jim, I mean, if you've never been to Syracuse, it is out in the middle of nowhere, and it's cold, and there's snow, and, like, you have to have a distinctive style that you are rigidly sticking to, at least that's what Jim Beheim is thinking, so that people will come, so they know what they're getting when they come play for you, and it's different. The problem is, I think, in the last 15 years... We'll say the last 20 years because, remember, they won a national championship with Carmelo Anthony in 2003, I believe. So in the last 20 years, here's what's happened. In the old Big East, teams like Pittsburgh, teams like Georgetown, teams like Seton Hall, Marquette, at various points, Providence, at various points in time and various coaching staffs, started running a variation of Syracuse's matchup zone. At one point, that matchup zone was the only thing like it that you would see in the country. And I would say it still is unique because they can morph a little bit into a 1-3-1 with it. They they tend to get pretty high um, on the wings. They tend to over-pursue passing lanes a little bit more, especially down into the corner. Like they know where they're weak and they try to they try to be in the way so you can't just make those passes where they're weak. I don't think everybody's matchup zone is like Syracuse, but the bottom line is teams are seeing matchup zone a lot more than they used to. And so you now have plans. It's less like, it is like an option where you don't have a plan B, but it's less like an option from a preparation standpoint because if you're facing an option team, you're facing them once a year. Now you could see teams that play primarily matchup zone eight to 10 times in a season or teams that play significant Mm -hmm parts of matchup zones and I don't know of many teams 
that don't at least have a matchup zone in as a part of their defensive strategy anymore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the difference would be in preparing for other teams, you're not game planning your offense around it. When you're preparing for Syracuse, you're you're preparing a, a very specific brand of basketball offensively. And and to be quite honest with you, I, I think it I think that matchup works in Clemson's favor. I, I just don't think that's the way you attack a team like Clemson that sometimes you know might not have the most athletic guys on the court, but pretty good basketball players. I mean if you play zone, you're 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 kind of neutralizing the athleticism part, right? That's right. And I would I, I mean, also. I mean, like if I if I'm not very athletic and I'm playing basketball, I don't want somebody playing a tight a tight man to man on me. I want to be able to move the ball and eventually get a little bit of space. That's right. And uh, you know, Brad Brownell talked about this last night in a, in a couple ways. First of all. I loved what he said about how they responded after Louisville. He said it was quick turnaround anyway, Saturday to Tuesday. And so they didn't watch basically any film. They got in the gym and they took shots and worked on some of their zone concepts offensively. He said, basically, we took 30 minutes on Monday morning. And I, he said, I wanted our players to see the ball go in the basket so that we could and, and do it with the shots that you're going to get in the zone in the roles that you're going to be so you're not just, you know, in the gym getting up shot, playing around the world or whatever, but you're getting the shots you're going to get in the game and you're getting confidence doing that. The second thing is, and I love this, it allowed Ian Shefflin to become Ian Shefflin again. What, where has baby Draymond been? I missed <laughs> baby Draymond. Ian Shefflin last night, you could, first of all, you could tell it was going to be a good game when Ian got multiple offensive rebounds on the first offensive possession. Okay, can you pause there for a minute? I yes. Wanna, that first possession messed me up emotionally, Quack. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Okay, and here's why. For those that don't that didn't see it, um, Clemson took four three-pointers on their first possession. That's right, four three-pointers. The fourth, obviously, going in the basket. Missed three in a row, but Ian Shefflin gets three consecutive offensive rebounds. I'm positive I've never seen that. I've never seen it either. It told me a couple things. First of all, remember what we talked about yesterday. If you're going to beat Syracuse, you have to go to the offensive glass. They were dead last in the ACC in defensive rebound rate, and they when they've lost games, it's because they've been killed on second-chance points. Clemson does not have a history of going to the offensive glass, but they sent more guys to the offensive glass last night, and they did it effectively, which helped. This is why it messed me up emotionally. You know how we'll play the game. Uh, team X will win if. Team Y will win if. Well, my, in my mind, that went something like this. Syracuse wins if Clemson misses three-pointers. Clemson wins if they get the offensive rebound and somebody like Ian Shefflin passes the ball well. Both happened in the first possession. We're and one like, minute into the game. I'm like, wait, uh, Tim Bray had the <laughs> <laughs> Tim Bray had the best line all year. He said, "Well, that drive took 55 seconds, resulting <laughs> <laughs> resulting in three points." <laughs> 
Oh, no, that. <laughs> that was good. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, it went straight football. Oh, that drive took 55 seconds, resulting in three points. Oh, geez, that's that's amazing. Uh, great stuff from Tim. It was it was maybe not even his best line of the night. That's great. Um, I, you know, I. I did think that first uh, that first possession was indicative of the way that the rest of the game went, except for Clemson made a lot more of their threes. Um, and we'll talk about that more on the other side because there were just lots of things that Clemson did well that we just haven't seen consistently. And it's possible. I mean, I know um, a lot of us thought this after the Florida State game to some degree. It's possible that was a bit of a get-right game for Clemson offensively. And we can talk about that on the other side. 654-ROAR is the number. You want to join us on the phone or on the Adams Co. Roofing text line. We continue on in hour one next. Save up to 50% on a hot tub or swim spa at the Hot Tub and Swim Spa Blowout Expo this weekend at the Garrison Expo Center at Clemson University. Browse the largest display of hot tubs and swim spas in the region from five major brands at up to 50% off. See swim spas in action offering exercise, therapy, and fun all year long. Over 30 spas will be on display and immediate delivery is available. Show admission and parking are free. That's the Hot Tub and Swim Spa Blowout Expo this weekend at the Garrison Expo Center at Clemson University. Visit hottubshow.com. That's hottubshow.com. Are you searching for a newer vehicle or maybe just want to drive something different? AutoWorks has what you're looking for and two locations to serve you. With just 500 down, you could be driving home in your newer vehicle. We have many financing options, including in-house financing. Visit us in Greer at 816 West Wyndham Boulevard or in Spartanburg at 385 East Blackstock Road. Call or text 864-655-7555 or view all of our inventory at AutoWorksSC.com. That's AutoWorksSC.com. The Bojangler's back at Bojangles, and it's dusted with Bo's famous seasoning. Hook one while you can. What's under your home can get into your home. A sealed crawl space keeps out moisture, mold, and pests. Candy Foundation Specialist is your local trusted expert in crawl space sealing. Call us today for your free estimate. Candy can fix it. Call the local experts for a free estimate. Call Candy Foundation Specialist at 864-403-5263 and ask about transferable warranties and available financing. That's 864-403-5263 or online at cantycanfixit.com. Winning multiple Ford President's Awards and top-notch online reviews are two reasons why George Coleman Ford should be your choice for your next new or pre-owned vehicle. Every week, customers like you post online reviews raving about the buying experience at George Coleman Ford. It's like nothing they've experienced. No hidden fees and straight-up honest customer service. And with new inventory arriving monthly, George Coleman Ford is committed to satisfying you. The best is found in Traveler's Rest, George Coleman Ford. I'm a donut nut, I'm a donut nut, I'm a nut for Krispy Kreme. I'm Glenn Reese with Krispy Kreme Donuts in Anderson and Spartanburg. We're open seven days a week. Pick up some delicious donuts and a cup of coffee. We'll help you raise money for your club, church, or group of worthy cause. Sell Krispy Kreme Donuts. Call Spartanburg and Anderson Krispy Kremes. I'm a donut nut, I'm a donut nut, I'm a nut for Krispy Kremes. McNeely Store and Rental, your hometown local steel dealer for sales and service. With spring around the corner, steel has leaf blowers, trimmers, chainsaws, and mowers that'll make your life simple. With both gas and electric models, our AK Battery Homeowner Systems start at just $199.99. They're not sold at Home Depot or Lowe's. Two convenient locations in Clemson and West Union. Learn more at McNeelyStoreandRental.SteelDealer.net. Call 654-9187-Clemson or 718-1449-West Union. 
Since 1917, Harbin Lumber Company has been a top lumber and building supplier in the industry. Their number one asset is their employees, people who are dedicated to providing quality building products and contractor services. People just like you, working to grow and be a part of the community. From construction projects to large remodeling jobs, see the hardworking folks people have entrusted for nearly 100 years. Harbin Lumber Company, serving South Carolina, Georgia, and North Carolina, and online at harbinlumber.com. Hey, you didn't have to go to college to be a college sports fan. Get all our college football coverage all day, right here. 105.5 and 97.5. We are the Roar. Touchdown! Where every day is game day. Continues out of bounds. William Pogamish, Ben Milstead. More on the uh, Clemson victory over Syracuse last night, 91 to 73. Uh, for more on that game, we're going to have uh, Wes Durham join us at 205. He can talk a little bit about the landscape of the ACC as well. A um, couple other things uh, that I want to get to about this game, and then we're going to talk broadly about college basketball because there were some fantastic games and some head scratching games last night. What did Virginia do? Uh, we got to, we got to talk about that. I mean, goodness gracious. But first this hour brought to you by our friends at the plumbing experts. If you go to theplumbingexperts.com right now, uh, you can see all of the different ways that they can help you and they can help you after a disaster. There's no question. That's what plumbers do. But the difference, uh, when you're dealing with the plumbing experts is that they want to make sure that you can deal with them before disaster strikes and that in and of itself is a phenomenal development and you know something i like i'm not even sure that people think to call a plumber or think to get things checked and maintained on a regular basis when it comes to plumbing when it comes to septic tanks when it comes to those types of things but the plumbing experts is putting forward hey like we'll help you do this if you need it if you got a septic tank and you haven't had it checked recently or in years and years and years and you're just hoping and praying that it continues to work they can actually get in there, make sure it's working right, make any repairs or fixes that, that you need to have, and then they can put you on a regular schedule where they'll just show up, fix it again, won't bother you at all. That's the difference in the plumbing experts, true customer service from your plumber. They've got the right people with the right training to do your job right the first time. Go to the website. Go to theplumbingexperts.com. That's theplumbingexperts.com. They won't let you down. Quark, the Tigers had... Um Excuse me. Five players in double figures last night. You had a double double by Hunter Tyson, who we've seen him get hot before early in games and then kind of cool off. He never cooled off. He was engaged and determined the entire game. Um, PJ Hall quietly had 16 points and just played. I, I thought he had a a real solid game. Uh, you had the big three all contributing. But then, you know, I think the unsung hero, as crazy as this sounds, was was a guy like Ian Shefflin last night. Against against a team like that, against the zone, you have to have multiple guys that can flash to the middle, that pass the ball inside well. And 
it's almost like Shefflin has forgotten what his strengths are. Yes. Sometimes he's in the game trying to do things that he simply doesn't need to be trying to do. I, I don't know that he realizes, and he's still kind of learning how to use his size. He is a he's a much thicker kid than you probably realize. I mean, he's he's just he's more like football player thickness to him. Uh, but he also he passes the ball very well at times. He also has games that he doesn't pass it very well. Um, and when they got in that rhythm inside, there there was one possession where you had three passes within about six feet of the basket. Yes. When Clemson does that, they're going to win games. And Shefflin's a big part of that. Uh, that eight rebounds, those were big rebounds. I mean, eight rebounds, six assists, and ten points. Give me a stat line like that, and your your chances go through the roof of winning a ball game. For sure. I mean, I thought it was the first time that you had all of those pieces working in conjunction in a while where it didn't seem like one or more parties involved were sort of fighting each other or fighting themselves or out of sorts and you were kind of having to duct tape over it. It was the first time they had a full-fledged offensive attack in a while. You could also go back to, um, you could. I mean, I say in a while, the Florida State game, I... I Tell me if you think this is crazy in the Florida State game. Brevin Galley wasn't great in that game. Shefflin wasn't great in that game. They got contributions from lots of folks. That was that was different. I I even thought the field was different because Florida State barely wanted to be there. They didn't have Matthew Cleveland. And so maybe I'm not giving enough credit to the way that this team performed down the ledger with Florida State. I felt like what we saw last night, though, is the replicable formula where if you're going to go to NC State and win, that's what it's going to look like. Now it's going to look different because NC State's not playing zone. They're going to pressure you more. They're probably going to foul you a lot more um, or they're going to call more fouls. Um, and, you know, at uh, Virginia, it's obviously different defense. Any ACC tournament against somebody like an NC State or, or North Carolina or somebody like that, whoever you end up playing, it's going to it's going to look different. You're going to have to do it differently. But in terms of what contributions are coming and where they're coming from, if this team is going to do what they are capable of doing, it's going to look like it did last night, maybe even more so than the Florida State when it was a 40-point win. It was historically significant for the program. Is that? Do you think that's fair? Or am I being a little bit too nitpicky and too quick to dismiss in the context of the season what they did against Florida State? Uh no, I mean I think all that all that's fair. Uh, I mean, each game is. I I, I don't know how to say. I, I agree with what you said about Florida State. I don't. Their effort was poor. I don't think Syracuse's effort was necessarily bad last night. I don't think so either. I mean, it's you can watch a team like uh, Syracuse wasn't great at times. You know, like especially uh, Jesse Edwards inside. Man, he's a really good player, but he had possessions that he kind of looked like he took. He was just kind of taken off. You know, Florida State looked like they took the whole game off. Right. You know, but there were times that uh, that I, I felt like you know Syracuse had fine effort. Gerard and Mintz. I mean, they're trying to make shots. 
on that particular night, Clemson was just not going to allow it. Yeah, for sure. Listen, I, I think... I think Jesse Evers is a very good player. I also think he got frustrated last night because Clemson defended him well without double-teaming him. I think they frustrated his catch points. A little bit like we've seen at times with P.J. Hall, where P.J.'s just getting the ball in sort of weird, uncomfortable spots where the moves that he's making aren't getting him to the shots that he's accustomed to getting. And so I felt like there was a little bit of frustration there. I thought Clemson defended Syracuse very well. You want to talk about some good shot makers, Gerard and Mintz, those guys are absolute bona fide, great shot makers, and Gerard didn't make some last. I mean, he had a couple go in and out, but I thought Mintz was, I mean, I thought he was terrific. He had 23 points on 15 shots last night. It was 4-4 four, four from 3. He was phenomenal. He just couldn't score 50. You know, if he, if he could have gotten mm-hmm. a ball more, he, he could have gotten 50, but you're just not going to do that. And uh, I thought Clemson did a good job throwing some bodies at him when it became apparent that he was going to be sort of the straw that stirred the drink for them uh, last night. Syracuse also, we should note, they made a lot of shots late when a game was basically over and Clemson had backups in. I think they made something like nine of their last 11. That accounted for a third of their makes the entire game in like the last six or seven minutes. So I thought defensively, for the most part, Clemson did a really good job putting the clamps on him. And maybe the stats don't show that as much because, you know, they did make a lot of shots when they were down, you know, 20, 23, 24, 25 points, something like that. I'd like to go back and look, too, at uh, possessions against Syracuse. 64 possessions against Syracuse seems like a lot. I, I'd, I'm going to go back and look and see how that uh, – how that compares uh, the only if you go, if you're going to have a criticism of last night and this criticism is really more of a compliment Clemson is not a good is not good at trying to burn clock no and a lot of teams are like that because you take yourself out of the out of rhythm but you know you Syracuse made shots did make quite a few shots late um you really went into a defensive posture on the Clemson end, though. Just like, hey, we're not we're not really here to score. We're we're here to burn clock, um, you know. And for a moment there, it got all like I think it got down to like thirteen late, and I thought, okay, that's 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 too close. To their credit, they they pulled it pulled back away though, and didn't let it get any any closer than that. Yeah, it was, uh, they had a 7-0 run, I think Syracuse did, to take the lead from 22 down to 15, and then Hunter Tyson made a three at the end of the clock. It did not get a, it got to 13, let's see, it got to 11 early in the second half with about 16, 19 left. It got to 11, and then Clemson went on an 11-0 run to build it to 22, and it kind of stayed around 20 for a while. I see that, yeah. Um, One other thing about that, I think that is not necessarily a Clemson phenomenon because think about how many times that we've seen, for instance, Duke under Mike Krzyzewski, and you know that they're going to start, like, pulling the point guard way out, and they're going to wind that clock and run a ball screen action with eight on the shot clock. 
And the the only question is whether they started doing that too soon. Because that would like when they started doing that, you knew if you were on the other sideline that you were gonna have an opportunity to like, you know, to to get the ball and get back in the game because they were basically gonna they were gonna waste twenty seconds every time they got down and not pass the ball. And I do think to your point, there are teams that are better set up to execute well on that when they have individually superior players. If you've got athletically gifted, strong drivers, you're going to be in a position to do that. The way Clemson built their lead was on ball movement and sharing and making the extra pass and unselfishness. So naturally, if you're asking a guy, you know, like Chase Hunter, go be selfish. Go dribble the air out of the ball for 12 seconds and then get a ball screen and try to go get a shot or maybe make one pass. It's just a very it's a very different way of playing and I think this team in particular is much much better when they are involving everybody. When everybody's getting a touch and the ball's reversing and and they are more engaged that way, it is not a team that I think excels when you got to ask one guy get downhill, draw a foul, make a basket like at the end of the shot clock kind of a situation. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I was just so impressed with the way they played inside the offense last night. That was my overwhelming takeaway, Quack, is you could tell that they were told how to play offense, and they did it. It didn't feel like they went off script very often, uh, and it was move the ball, move the zone, then move your man. And they did that time in, time out. It's got to be hard when you are a team that likes to kind of push tempo sometimes. And, you you know, they didn't get a lot of transition opportunities. Um, but that you come down and you're just patient and, hey, this is what we're supposed to do. We trust that the sta- what the staff, what our coaches have told us. If we do this, we're going to get baskets. And they did. I, I was just impressed with the – I mean the game the game plan against Syracuse is always pretty impressive. I was just impressed that the players stuck to that last night, the execution of it. The I agree with that 100%. It does it is a particular mentality, and I think there are certain teams and certain players that handle that better than others. Clemson had somebody in every role. And I love what you said about PJ Hall too because PJ was not the focal point of the offense last night, and against the zone that is by design. You cannot run as many things through well, let me let me stop. You can run as many things through a post player as you do against man. That ain't the way you need to do it. That mm-hmm. is a much more difficult way of attacking that zone if you're just trying to get the ball to a post player to go back to the basket. There were lots of times he was on the baseline just to keep a defender low. He was running out to the corner to try to occupy a forward to create a driving lane. Uh, I thought he would play maybe a little bit more in the high post and. When he did, he scored. I think he made every single jumper from the elbows. But a lot of times, that was Ian Shefflin's role. And because P.J., because the shooters were doing their thing, and because P.J. was down the baseline, Shefflin was able to catch clean passes and then facilitate. And I actually thought his presence as a decoy last night was very important because of the particularities of the zone. That's a game that if I'm a coach, I I highlight those things, like the passing, not the shooting. I'm going to highlight the passing, the spacing, all of that kind of stuff for guys like Shefflin and others. Uh, and that's I want to I want to build on what they did last night. Absolutely. Let's take a break. 
Hour one is in the books. And hour two, we got to talk about the broad landscape of college basketball. Some college football preseason.